We think hearing from our listeners is the bee's knees. To that end, you can follow at High Files on Twitter, like the High Files on Facebook, or visit onyxedgestudios.com for all sorts of altered fun. Enjoy the show and spread the love. As you prepare to listen to this episode, I implore you to ask yourself this question first. When have you felt a deep, fundamental sense of dissatisfaction in life? Think of that time. And then ask yourself, why? Friday evening, that sacred exhale of the working man's week. The scene was about as much of a bubblegum and soda pop picture of an American family as one could imagine. I sat at the kitchen table, nestled on one side of our open floor plan. Joining me, with a drink and a smile, was my lovely wife. We enjoyed the song of conversation while our kids lay splatted across recliner and sofa in the adjoining space giggling with fervor and playing games. My daughter, the one on the recliner, tapped away at the keys of her pink plastic talking Barbie laptop. The toy was designed to teach basic education such as math and reading. Suddenly, through the conversation with my wife, I perceived the haunting music coming out of my daughter's digital plaything. Select a game to play. My mind began to drift. The song sent me on a trajectory of thought inspired by the lyrics, Select a Game to Play. I imagined my daughter, and in fact both of my children, growing up, graduating high school, and standing face to face with one of life's great pivot points. What do they do next? It's a giant decision but a selection of a game nonetheless. I imagined them like Pac-Man in the opening moments of that video game. The blue outline appears, forging a maze out of the blackness. Ghosts, representing all the myriad ails that life has to offer the misfortunate, stood momentarily at bay, and there, at the center of the maze, the high school graduate, Pac-Man frozen with anticipation. Suddenly, a flashing prompt, the word READY, appears on the screen. And without much warning, or time to formulate an informed plan, Pac-Man has to choose a route to take in the maze, not truly knowing what twists and turns that path will force. And so our high school graduate must... Select a game to play. Go to college, start in the workforce, join the military backpack across Europe, dick around for a few years. These are all routes to choose, games to play, 
full of unforeseen twists and turns, massive uncertainty. And don't forget about the fucking ghosts. Accidents, injuries, financial misfortune, imprisonment, hunger, death, indebtedness, etc. And the whole time, you're supposed to gobble away at those white dots. I was reminded of a recent conversation with my niece. The two of us sat at a table in a church gymnasium, which was done up with tablecloths and a catered lunch. The space was temporarily converted for the memorial service of my stepmother, my niece's grandmother. Sarah, my niece, was a senior in high school. The flashing ready prompt was about to disappear from her life. Shit was about to get real. This pivotal moment in her reality was the best topic of conversation in my mind, so I asked her, in between bites of chicken salad, about her post-commencement plans. She intended to move to Virginia, she told me, to be close to her mom, aunts, and grandmother. The latter was not meant to be, but Sarah was moving there anyway. She had found a college. She was leaving behind a boyfriend. She was sad about that, but she was moving there anyway. What are you studying in college, I asked, which is just a slightly upgraded version of what do you want to be when you grow up? Accounting, she said exhibiting a level of enthusiasm that telegraphed indifference and said she was just happy to have made a decision before shipping out. Accounting, I mused. Huh. Then I looked at her and said, Doesn't it suck that you have to make such a large commitment at this stage in your life? when you really don't have any experience to base your decision on? So little data. She deflated a bit beneath the gravity of the observation. It seemed as though she had never thought about it in quite that manner. I know I didn't when I was her age. I reckon to say many of us lacked the proper perspective to view these pivot points in life. Certainly we lacked sufficient wisdom to guide the major choices of our youth. One of my biggest pivot points came along when I was 22 years old, a dozen or more years ago. I was adrift in the sea of adulthood. I worked a job that paid slightly above minimum wage and lived alone in a one-bedroom apartment in South St. Louis. I didn't own a car because I couldn't afford a place and a vehicle. I proudly rode the bus system. And even though I was working 40 hours a week and riding the bus another four or five, I experienced hyper-creativity. In the days just preceding YouTube, I was having a lot of fun shooting both tape and digital video. I had recently discovered digital editing and was making my own little movies, many of them inspired by 90s classic sketch comedy program, Mr. Show. That's piss! That's not just any piss, that's new! Urinate sports drink! From Brontonomy. Since there was no YouTube, I showed these videos to people live at professional wrestling shows. My buddies and I had grown from backyard wrestling to amateur status to a professional presentation that was developing a fan base. Come and see the greatest show in the Boston State area. We've got more than just wrestling. We've got movies, music, live entertainment, LWA. 
in between bites of ramen noodles or canned beans, I wrote all of the scripts for the wrestling shows, crafting the soap operatic shenanigans from several different episodic plot lines. I even tried my hand at publishing a graphic novel with my best friend. It was a fucking blast. One of the most fun times of my life. I was dirt poor, but I felt incredible creative and personal freedom. When I was your age, I flipped burgers all summer just to be able to buy an 8-track. That sucks. No, actually, it was great. All I did was party and get laid. I had my whole life ahead of me. But one day, my mood began to change. I felt like I hadn't selected the game I was supposed to play. Wasn't I supposed to make something out of myself? Wasn't I supposed to achieve more success than this? I remember longing for a a specific goal with perfect clarity. I wanted the American dream. I wanted the house. White picket fence, lovely wife, 2.5 kids, a boy and a girl, and a pie cooling on the windowsill. My parents, the mainstream media, my teachers, in fact most of society, held the same vision up as the ideal. Of course, I could have farted around indefinitely, writing, laughing, smoking roaches. I'm the dude, so that's what you call me. Master of my own destiny. But I couldn't do that and afford to have a family. No way. So I could not have my cake and eat it too. I was forced with a decision. Travel down one road or the other. I made a very big decision that day based on a fundamental sense of dissatisfaction I had in that place and time. I marched forth and chose to follow the red, white, and blueprint. College, matrimony, corporation, kids. And soon I found myself, a decade later, playing that quintessential American game. Today everything is different. There's no action. I have to wait around like everyone else can't even get decent food. Right after I got here, I ordered some spaghetti with marinara sauce and I got egg noodles and ketchup. I'm an average nobody. Get to live the rest of my life like a schnook. Wake up, check the phone, reply, react, retweet, caffeinate, interstate. Time to make the donuts. Lunch date, web surf, cigarette, another day in paradise. I made the donuts. Stop and go. Hurry home. Supper's late. Procrastinate. Enjoy your vice. Medicate. Live in the dream. Hit the hay. Tomorrow's a new day. Wash. Rinse. Repeat. When did you become so... joyless? With 2020 hindsight, I look back now and wonder... Why did I select this game to play? But a better question might be, what game am I actually playing? Is this life what I understood it to be when I signed up for it? I look back now at the untethered, creative, excited version of myself, and somehow, in some ways, the grass looks slightly greener on that side now. 
It's not that I regret my family, or my marriage, or my income, or anything like that. For those things that I should be thankful for, I am thankful. Where my current fundamental sense of dissatisfaction comes from is realizing I selected a certain game to play without understanding the mechanics of the game itself. And it turns out the American Dream game does not play as advertised. The game mechanics are more accurately represented by the film The Matrix. That Hollywood hit introduces a lot of philosophical and far-out concepts. If you've seen the flick, then you know that everyone lives in a virtual world that they think is real, and they think they're free. But when they are able to unplug, they realize they were just being made docile so their bodies and their very lives could feed units of energy into the machine. But this is more than a cool sci-fi dystopian hook or a commentary on virtual reality and simulation theory or even artificial intelligence. The Matrix is an allegory. An allegory for the white picket fence, 401k, Taco Bell breakfast, social media, Keurig machine version of the American dream. It seems that you've been living two lives. In one life, you're Thomas A. Anderson, program writer for a respectable software company. You have a social security number, you pay your taxes, and you help your landlady carry out her garbage. The other life is lived in computers, where you go by the hacker alias Neo and are guilty of virtually every computer crime we have a law for. One of these lives has a future, and one of them does not. That's why my niece is going to study accounting, a career that registers zero emotional response in her. One of these lives has a future, and one of them does not. She'll plug right in. To her, it's a foregone conclusion. But what if she believed in another way? Would she select a different game to play? Would I have? We don't have to have fast food workers. We don't, we, we don't have to have people who work shit jobs. We don't have to. We just need to figure out how to restructure society so everybody somehow or another plays a part, has something to contribute, has something to share. I mean, that's what a real society is supposed to be like. I give you some coconuts, you give me some fish. You know, we make a deal, and you do it back and forth and left and right. And when there's nothing to contribute, then you start looking, the president needs to give us jobs. We need jobs. So instead of something to contribute, you just find something to do with your time. And then it becomes about doing that more than it becomes about finding something to contribute. So society gets wrapped around becoming a part of a machine. Society, instead of becoming a bunch of individuals that are expressing themselves in unique ways and everybody sort of borrows and shares and, and sells this and you sell that, and we all sort of figure out how we can contribute in a society, we got sidetracked and diverted into these 
boxes that they call companies and corporations. And we got stuck into these containers. They go cubicles or offices. And we got forced into this system. So our time, instead of it being invested in making pottery or, or fixing cars or doing something where you have a, a passion or you have some sort of a connection to, instead of that, you've sold your life to sit in a box and work for a machine, an uncaring machine that demands productivity. It doesn't understand you. It doesn't want to understand you. It has a bunch of very strict things in order to keep the humor at a minimum in the office, just in case one of you fuckheads says some stupid sex jokes that gets them sued and they have to give somebody a million dollars. So get it together, and this is your life now. No natural behavior. Everybody's wearing clothes they don't want to wear. Everybody's showing up and doing something they don't want to do. They have no connection to. That's the problem with our society. And then what's the reward for all this stuff? Go home, get a big TV. Go home, you're going to get a shiny belt buckle. You're going to get a nice purse. You're going to wear shoes that you couldn't afford last week. You're going to get that dream car. And every week we're chasing down this new object. And every week we're trying to fill this hole in this 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 sad shadow of a life that we've been left with after work that you work eight to whatever to hours a day plus commuting and then you're like this and that's your life that's your real fucking life all that other stuff is not your life anymore all that other stuff is work and most of us have committed to that i know you've been there before and i've been there before and we we understand that it's trapped because we got out of it but for the people that are in it a lot of times they don't even understand it's a trap. They just think it's a good job. They think they got dental. I'm doing really good. I got my own parking spot. It's got my name on it. And you're just a piece of a heartless, shitty machine that makes money. But don't you think you have to go through all that just to figure out what you want to do? Because no, I mean, I didn't I think know. I did. But I don't think you have to. Look, I, I did, but I became when I became a comedian when I was 21, I was 100% convinced that I was going to be a stand-up comedian for the rest of my life. Like, I didn't need to worry about what was next. I was like, this is what I'm doing. Like, I'm, there's no, I don't want to do anything else. Like, this, this is what I'm doing. Once I found it, I was good. Just like in the movie The Matrix, the existence of a free world is revealed by the existence of those who have unplugged. I'm not paying you to do whatever it is you're doing out here. Fine. So don't pay me. Excuse me? I quit. So you don't have to pay me. Now leave me alone. Asshole. I think you just became my personal hero. We see examples of unplugged people in our society all the time. The communal hippie, the starving artist, the drug dealer, the troubadour, they all selected games to play outside the Matrix. They detached from the machine. So what if I could detach from the machine? What if I had never entered the machine at all? These are the questions I ask myself when I feel dissatisfaction with the norm. But how can I ever know the answer? I sometimes think back to that original pivot point when I decided to give up wrestling shows, making silly videos, and staying out all night with my friends in exchange for a mortgage and core competencies. My life would be very different now. I wonder what that game would be like. But why wonder, high filers? 
I may not be able to sit down with a trans-dimensional version of myself from an alternate timeline, but I can take an anthropological approach. Cultural anthropologists often engage in fieldwork and observe participants of other games in order to observe cultural variation. And I happen to know a brilliant case study. My pal, Mikey Gordon, a.k.a. Seabass. Mikey grew up in the greater St. Louis area, just like me. He got involved in local wrestling promotions when he was in high school, just like me. He enjoys the time-honored tradition of smoking cannabis, just like me. Unlike me, however, he never cashed in his chips for a 9-to-5 existence. He's not beholden to a business casual dress code. He lives wild and free as a professional wrestler, stand-up comedian, and lovable hellion. If anyone can give me a peek at life outside the Matrix, it's Mikey. So after a hearty dab, I sat down with Mikey and his equally talented girlfriend, Lucia Carroll, in order to observe a way of life unplugged from the Matrix and find out if the grass is truly greener on the other side. Strap in, high filers. This is an incredible journey. basically just me getting high and talking about philosophy and shit like that. Oh, tight. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so it's kind of supposed to make it fun to listen to while you are high. That's the point of the show. Hell yeah. And so that's why it's cool to have an interview with somebody that has become a comedian. That's pretty cool, man. Are we recording right now? Yeah, I'm recording right Oh, okay. Now. So you, we kind of started in a similar place, which is fun you know, the backyard wrestling scene. And that was back when wrestling was hot. Like, so, so hot that the news was sent out <laughs> to Sam's garage. Oh, and interviewed a lot of us and took all these shots. Yeah, oh, yeah. And then, like, like me and Matt's thing got on there, and then they were like, all right, yep, we're out of here. And they fucking, like, spelled all our names wrong and shit. <laughs> yeah. I showed her that interview. Like, Matt was a super <laughs> yeah. nerd back then. Yeah, oh, he looked like time. Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I wonder if, like, I saw them on, you guys on the news, because I remember seeing one of those segments that was, like, backyard wrestling. Kids are dying. Everyone, the chaos. <laughs> Everyone you know? in Missouri like, can are just breaking each other's necks. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, we were doing some crazy shit a little bit, but it wasn't nothing nuts. Like, yeah, I have a couple scars from some shit that happened there, but that's because we didn't really know what we were doing, but we knew enough not to, like, hurt each other. Right. You know? But that was, those were the coolest times 
I like ever like we were superstars at school. I mean, I, I know you guys school, were superstars. Dude, at we got in a too. beef with the rest or the football team. Yeah, because we were drawing on a Friday night. Right. <laughs> That's awesome. You guys were. It, it was. It was standing room you only. Made that out, an angle. Doors no, open. <laughs> doors open. Like people were just jam packing that place. Oh yeah, it was so much fun. We had man. a tag team called the football team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Was, we had a couple football players come to our show and mean mug us. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. It was a lot of fun. That's great. Heat. But oh man, I mean like. Oh, and we had a folk, our uh, retarded character who wore a football jersey but he was a retard and he fought like a retard and he wore a helmet that's before very, very Eugene. subtle yeah. <laughs> that was before Eugene they have some revolutionary shit it was great I, I think I thought that at one point I was like alright I had the greatest backyard match I could ever have I'm going on to go pro fucking left to go do that GCW stuff I think a bunch of us did, though. We all kind of left at the same time. So that was out of high school, though, right? Uh, no. I, that was the end? That was the summer before my junior year. That we all, a bunch of us. Oh, this is uh, <laughs> a... Oh, a, a, we're smoking crack. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a, You have to when you talk like, about wrestling. You gotta like, smoke that crack. You gotta smoke crack, or else it's not authentic. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's not wrestling. <laughs> Yeah, get on that, uh, get on that road warrior diet. Not the tag team, the fucking people on the road. <laughs> people on the road, you know, road warriors. But uh, yeah, road truckers. It's a good joke. On my album, you can, you can download that for free on comedysuplex.com. I want to do devil, but. They kill me. Jordan, you took it like a fucking champ. What is that Man. stuff? Wax. <laughs> Concentrated ganja. <laughs> yeah, it'll get you, dude. Uh-huh. But yeah, we all kind of like went to the GCW. Uh, it was a local indie Hello. wrestling promotion where we basically had to pay them to let us jump around the ring and then come work at their shows for free. Yeah. And um, a couple of us... Uh, Smartened up, and we're trying to smarten up everybody. Like I, Sam and I went different ways. Sam was like, "I'm gonna just go do this myself." Yeah, so I was like trying to. I was smart. gonna say, when and why did you decide to split? You know, separate ways. With what? Just doing your own thing. So like, I, with Gateway. Yeah. So like, I I was like a 17 year old kid, just doing some janky ass shit. Like, um, so. Instead of paying us, okay, we started giving guff about Big Bad Ben not paying us. So he would give us tickets, pre-sale tickets, mm-hmm. that were like blue and had an $8 price tag on them. But the tickets at the door were like red and it said $10 on them, right? So what he would do is give us a couple tickets. Like the, the newer guys, he'd give like $40 of tickets. The veterans, like $80 of tickets. I gotcha, I gotcha. So instead of paying us money, we could sell you tickets. had to draw to get your money. Basically. But that was fine. I mean, like, yeah, yeah, they yeah. weren't getting that door money. We were getting, you know, yeah. we sold tickets, you That's know. Cool. So, so you know, it, it was what it was, whatever. So, I was selling, I'd go outside the show as it's starting, mm-hmm. and I'd sell my tickets to people that were walking up. And, um, 
And uh, and then I started smarting up some of the vets what I was doing, and I'd take a cut of their tickets. So Ben got all of a sudden like all these blue tickets are <laughs> yeah, coming gotcha, in, gotcha. and man, he's like. Where the fuck? And then the next blue ticket comes in. He goes, "Where did you get this?" And he said, "There's this, this redheaded kid selling them out front, right?" So you just overtook his economy, basically. He got real pissed like. off about that. <laughs> Me being a little 160 pound old redheaded fucker, and him being 360 pounds, and yeah, that's just a, a guy ginormous man. <laughs> yeah. So you know, like we didn't really see eye to eye, I guess. Um, <laughs> But, you know, like, I felt like, you know, and I was just vocal about it. I was just being a little shithead, you know. But I just felt like he was kind of taking advantage of us, you know. Like, at least if you're going to make us pay and you're going to make us drive all these places, these shows, and, you know, and set up everything and then wrestle and all this shit, you know, like, eventually you'd pay somebody, you know. Yeah. like. But I was seeing guys that weren't the young 20 18, you know, 19, 17, like I was, guys that, you know, I knew we weren't getting paid, whatever, you know, but there were guys that were a lot older than us that weren't like, that were at least telling us that they weren't getting paid, right? or that they were like, oh, I might have got gas money or some shit, you know, so I didn't really agree with that, I didn't think that that was what wrestling was about, so we start, you know, a couple of us started venturing off and going, doing our own thing, and Hunter and I started going down to like TNA every week and shit. You know, we were getting booked for little promotions. And him That's and I really cool. Bonded. I haven't really heard much of this part. Well, him and I really bonded, um, you know, because we both smoked weed. Uh, yeah. That's really where it started when I kept getting busted for smoking weed out <laughs> in the parking lot. You know, yeah. everybody else kind of like really kept their shit super low key so I really didn't know and I was just like hey whatever I'm selling bud uh, yeah. you know, little dumbass kid so you know like having a good old time well after all this shit with, with the tickets and whatever like I really started figuring out who was who I agree you know I had similar thinking to yeah you know guys like Hunter and Ryan Ash and Born not not a natural click almost. <laughs> we did, we did, we did. You know, and it was like really, a meta tag team. <laughs> yeah, you know, and then like Hunter was getting booked for other places because he had hookups, and you know, like he started bringing me along and shit like that, and you know, and we started going on to TNA every week, and then they started using him, and then he needed somebody to work, so then we brought brought Matt down. And yeah. Then we started him smoking mud, and then fucking. <laughs> That was the end of his life. <laughs> Jeez, I heard recently. Bro, we we can talk about that, that for dude. a second. Yeah. Let's digress. Oh. He's awesome. He is. He's the best. I, every time I've seen that dude, nothing but a nice guy. <laughs> you know what? That was the first internet video I've ever seen in my entire life was him doing a shooting star off the backboard at the YMCA that his mom ran. Yeah. The first video that I wow. downloaded and saw online <laughs> no was him doing a fucking shooting star. And I was like, I gotta meet this kid, right? And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, now he's fucking... Well, it happened, dude, because of the internet. we I think yeah. the, us knowing about our backyard activities had a lot to do with that, too. The internet. And Brian stole Stranglehold. Yeah. Radio show. Um, I know Matt called in a lot. I called in a lot. And I don't know. We probably had fans that would call in. I would assume. Yeah, you know, like, and, the, and that's kind of where I found out that there were other things like what we were doing. Yeah. Around, and I was like, oh that's cool, shit. Isn't it? 
you know, and then finding that out, and like then then you started seeing videos or you know and whatever on the news and all that shit. Yeah, but yeah, you know, I like I found a website or something yeah. on you guys, and I was like, "There's fuck, they do shows like fuck, I'm going." Man, it's know? like we caught a wave up. on that internet, dude. It's like boom, you Angel know Fire. Mean? It was fun and Homestead website, yeah. like, bro. We put some funny shit on the internet too. You guys had fucking angles and everything, man. Like that shit was awesome. That shit was awesome. But yeah, and then like a bunch of us went and did the GCW thing for a while. I really didn't agree with Ben. You know, we went out and did our yeah. thing. And so take me back to going to like TNA and places like that. Well. And then when, when did you move? To California? Yeah. Like three years ago. Alright, so what was three years before that? So, like, between that, you know, like, I was doing, I ran I ran and failed my own businesses and, you know, worked in a strip club and a bunch of bullshit, you know, like, in and out of wrestling or whatever, you know, and then, then I was a nightlife kind of guy. Yeah, you know, I was promoting nightclubs and shit like that, you know, I worked at the, the strip club in town, that, that was an awesome experience, um... I actually booked a little promotion out of that, and that's why I got fired from the strip club. I called it. <laughs> I got a big blow-up ring, um, and I went to these college towns, and we took these strippers with us, and we called it Catfight Combat. Right? <laughs> and uh, we got paid good. And then once, it was our fourth show. We went a double shot one weekend, and the second weekend, the fourth show. Like, they didn't pay us at all. Oh, jeez. Right? And, like... So that was one of those times where I was like, I, I had all these girls to pay, and you know, like a bunch yeah. of girls quit on me after that because I was like, well, we didn't get paid, so like, yeah, I already covered the hotels and the rental car, you know, and everything, and we're here, you know, like, yeah, we're just we, I, I'm not getting paid tonight, guys. You know? <laughs> so that was, that was quite a trip. Uh, we did a few shows after that, but we didn't do any like. Out of, big out of town anything you know we tried to do some local shit but yeah know, fucking those are some those are some good times <laughs> and then the, the strip club found out that I was taking some of the girls out on some of the weekends to do that <laughs> and then they were like uh, you're fired <laughs> <laughs> pull the old Vince McMahon on <laughs> didn't give them their cut huh no no they were pissed I, I took like one of their top girls out of there too like she was so fucking I guess she wasn't that's our weekend money maker she, she was like sucking all the dicks I guess and she was like I don't want to suck dicks I'd rather make like four she's or five hundred dollars she's so efficient right yeah. going out here and doing this gimmick it's uh, quite experience but you know I ran a little you know, a wrestling promotion uh, in and out of that and I was Afro Man's tour manager yeah, for a little how, bit. How did that start? So I did an internet. And when, okay, so after I quit the night, the well, I got fired from the strip club and I quit doing the cat fight combat thing. Um, I needed to make money, so I got into the nightclub industry and um, I started booking like little concerts, you know, and like taking a cut of the door and shit like that, you know, booking three bands, yeah, and we each yeah. get a 25% cut, whatever the fuck, you know, and I, whatever. So, you know, I, at that time, I was working at a couple nightclubs, you know, I was like head of promotions, where, you know, I get like a team of promoters to go out and bring people to the club, whatever the fuck. Um, and, uh, you know, oh, so, okay. I had so then I started a uh, internet radio show called Party Animal Radio. All right, yeah, I, I didn't listen, get to listen to much of the early stuff. Well, so what it was, it was a, a sh- night. It was a show about nightlife, okay, 
because I had the hookups with the nightlife industry, you know, I'd have people from DJs from this club, or you yeah, know, come I in and play you. a little bit, or this promoter come in and give a special out to all yeah, listeners. And we had an after party on on Thursdays after the show. That fucking we made a murderous amount of money <laughs> every week. Every Thursday we had like the old show me's in fucking South County it was jam packed every Thursday. It was awesome. Yeah, but um. So Party Animal Radio ended up turning into its own radio station where I had like 14 different shows that all had like different audiences that all come into my apartment and, you know, live broadcast and record and put yeah. the shit on. This is like yeah, 2011. So when we were doing that, I started booking shows, you know, like radio, like, you know, like 105.7 The Point presents fucking Joe Schmo oh, dick yeah. bag yeah. band yeah. coming in. So I was like, Party Animal Radio presents, and I was like, I was, I'm was, i going to book mid-level acts that I can afford uh, uh, that, you know, like... So you just built your own radio station, basically. I, I mean, I did. You know, we so, had 14 different crews. Two of the crews involved me, so, you know, whatever, but... It's kind of that internet rise-up that we were talking about. This is, it was so internet... You were able to do it was, that. It was a 24-7 station. Yeah. That ran, you know, 24-7, you know, we ran, you know, I did a morning show, like, fucking four days out of the week, right and, on. you know, it was, uh, it was... What year is this? 2011, 2012, okay. into 2013. Okay, so... And then I quit it in 2013. Now, tell me about that quitting point. What was happening there? Uh, it just wasn't making any money. Okay, You know, I gotcha. the formula was, people would basically... Pay two three hundred dollars a month to have their slot, their two hour a week slot, and then you know they'd have to go out and sell advertising, whatever the fuck, and you know people didn't end up paying or whatever. What was your major constraint? Do you think in that department? Um, it was. Was it social media or something like that? Well, you know, at that point, like social media wasn't. It was starting to really get to the point that it is right now. You, you know, know like I just suck up people's time. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, we got stretched thin, basically, is what yeah. it was. It was me running the whole fucking thing, and then my roommate was, uh, you know, at, supposed to edit the shows. And that was basically his job. That was his yeah. only job doing that. And um, you know, it became really tiring on me, and I, you know, I was just like, I, this is fucking. It's not making any money. It's causing me a lot of stress. You know, like... The, yeah, it's kind of a drag. It is. Know? It it's was. More of a hindrance. But we had, like, we had an app. You know, like, we were yeah. a part of an app before most radio stations, terrestrial radio stations, were even on a free app. Before. I got you. Yeah. Um, so there's... What's the other uh, radio company besides Clear Channel that's here in St. Louis? The, okay, so the other one. Yeah, I can't Their remember. group of, of radio stations had not been on... You know, like... Uh, iHeartRadio had been on at that point. Yeah. But we, we were an internet radio station that was on, you know, 24-7. We were on an app that you could get on your phone. That's really sweet, man. So, you know, like, that was a lot before, like... Before I really feel like podcasting really took off. You know, 2011. Well, you can kind of probably see yourself as having helped it. No, not at all. But you know I mean, we did. We did it. Getting people interested and just. We were we were doing it before other people were doing it. We were doing. You know, like I won't say like we were doing it first or anything like that, but we were doing it before. We were on an app before 
other people were at. We tried to design our own app, and it really it didn't turn out to be what I wanted it to be. And I spent too much money on it. Well, it's hard to nail it on that stuff, man. Yeah, you don't get good programmers or people that have a full time interest in doing something like yeah, that. Yeah, but look at you now. You've got a podcast. I've listened to a couple of episodes recently. That's uh, pretty fun. <laughs> me, and, me and Peach Machine was idiots. That's, that's, that's Ryan Ash. Yeah, I yeah. listened... Well, the last one I listened to was... Uh, you went out to see that UFC match. CM Punk. Yeah, I gambled on it like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, that was a fun episode, though, man. Oh, Thanks. Yeah, you know, and that was like the last time I hung out with Matt before he fucking got... What's going on with that? I really don't totally know. Okay, we probably shouldn't even talk about it anyway. No, I mean, you know, it's it's out there. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'm just hopeful for him, that's why I asked. I'm very hopeful too, you know, I think that there are some positive things going on right now that, you know, we really don't totally know what's going on, but... uh, you know, I think that we're going to have a resolution to it very soon, and that's awesome, and that hopefully he's just going to get to come home. That'd so, be great, you know. yeah. But yeah, you know, the, the marijuana laws in Japan are very strict. <laughs> they don't fuck around. It's not even like out here in Missouri where, you know, like, I've been arrested for marijuana, Jesus Christ, damn near 20 times probably, you know? Yeah. Uh, most of those here in Missouri, you know, for uh, all very small amounts, but, you know, like, they just... There's really no tolerance for it. I think now in the city they kind of decriminalized it a little bit. But a little bit. In Columbia they did, I heard. Missouri's going to be one of the last states. Yeah. You know, where I live now in California. Jeez Louise, man. But uh, the aforementship, it happened because I, I booked shows and then, like, his tour manager or his producer who lives in Belleville was like, oh, you know, you should book some... Week long runs, a couple week long runs, few month long runs, and we booked a tour that went out to a three month tour. I went out to the West Coast, fell in love with it, and then I moved out there. Okay, so Afro Man kind of brought you out there in a way. It, oh, totally. Yeah. That, that tour, a million cool, percent. So after Afro Man, what's day one look like? Um, shit. You know well, what I mean? I had a very fortunate turn of events in my financial situation very shortly after that tour, which allowed me to have the resources to relocate, not knowing anybody in California. Um, And uh, I did that, met my girlfriend, and then we pretty much took comedy on as full-time. It's like, when I was booking Afro Man and, and... you know, and all that. I was opening up for him too, yeah. with my comedy rock duo, and so like in between that, I was doing. I was hosting a weekly comedy show and shit like that. So by the time I moved out to California, I had been doing comedy for like mm, three, four years. You know, so I moved out to California, and I was like, well, I think this comedy thing is something that I want to start taking a little bit more serious, and that's where I met Lucia. And we started booking shows and blah, 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 blah. Started a wrestling promotion because <laughs> she wanted to. Why not, uh, man? <laughs> well, and then we rebranded our, our comedy. Our, our comedy really wasn't making money. To, do, to be an independent entertainer on any level, 
you're usually spending money. You're not making money. Yeah, I got you. On any level, really. You know, a musician, comedian, wrestler. I mean, for the first however many years. Like, it's a pretty big enterprise to, you know. You're spending a lot of time. Yeah. You're putting a lot of hours into it, you know, with a lot, little sleep for little recognition. But your you're foot's in the game. You know, you're, right. you're doing the hokey pokey a little bit. You're about to turn yourself around. That's really what it's all about. <laughs> you should fucking mean that. I'll send you that clip, man. I shouldn't have said anything about me than that, but that was, <laughs> that was great. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that one hasn't been done before. <laughs> Dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we rebranded our comedy as uh, marijuana comedy, and pretty oh, much, <laughs> pretty much the only difference is is that we just market it to marijuana companies as sponsor. You found your niche. <laughs> well, and also we're like really high whenever we do comedy, so you know. I mean, not only that, like marijuana has been a huge part of my life. You know, yeah, it's man. it's a miracle drug. I really feel like you know on. I believe on, it too. On the top levels, to people with some incredibly serious ailments, to people that, you know, are on the low level of, of, of ailments, such as myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, however, I do have a prescription, so I am a patient. I mean, you know. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Your back's killing you, right? And it would probably be killing you more if you weren't smoking weed. It really is, you know, it really, it, it releases my anxiety, you know. It does help a lot. Takes the edge off. Has a huge therapeutic benefit if you pursue it in that direction well what other direction would you pursue it in just i mean it makes you taste better i mean even if you're using it just to get high like that's still therapy i was gonna say if i think if you use it it's gonna bring you there no matter what i mean like i really feel like the only reason that people use alcohol at all is because that's accepted that's it. It's an escape hatch. That's all it is. Well, it's it's okay, right, right. So is marijuana. But the only reason that people drink alcohol, like if if if, like seriously, if you had the choice (laughs) between something that's gonna make you puke if you do too much of it, to something that's gonna make you sleep better (laughs) if you use too much of it. Like, what are you what are you gonna use? You know what I'm saying? Like take all the fucking Stigmas out of it. Take everything that you know about alcohol. Like, would you use it? You know, like, would you use it to fucking, you know, forget or what? You know, like, to relax, unwind. Would you use that over marijuana? I mean, no. Fucking who would? There's a lot of things people do to numb themselves in place of what marijuana could do. Right. You know, and I'm guilty. I'm, you know. Yeah. But it's no sense a gateway drug. I think that's... No. That's a stupid... I think it's more label. a release valve than a gateway. Well, I mean, like, here, check this out. Like, if I, I used to, like, eat pills and drink alcohol, all right? And I'd get violently sick, okay? Yeah. But if I could choke down a blunt, I was fine. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like, that was that is what got me to be able to eat, drink. Like, before that, I everything's coming up. You know, you drink, ugh. Bile's coming up, you know, like, of course, oh, yeah. it's, it's gonna get bad. It's a downtime in my life, whatever the fuck. No, I've but, been there. you know, like, it, but as you can chuff down some weed, 
you know, like, all oh, this shit's better. So, like, to me, it's like, well, what's going on here? You know, like, yeah. don't look at what you read or hear. Like, figure out if it works for you. It doesn't work for everybody. I know people that smoked it for their lives. And then, all of a sudden, one day, they smoke it and they're like, shit, shit don't worry for me anymore. You know? It exists. So, you know, but it, don't not do it because <laughs> it's illegal. Try it out. So, so. It works for everybody. A lot of people. <laughs> Hmm? Nothing. What? Tell the story. <laughs> I was just thinking, like, someone said the other day, like, what else do you do just because it's illegal? Have you never stolen anything? You know? Never taken a wrong turn? <laughs> ever? Right. <laughs> never made an illegal U-turn? Ever had fun? Like... Yeah, it's like the, the argument about the <laughs> yeah. fucking, uh, take the guns away. We need the guns out of the... Well, you think the bad guy's gonna fucking listen to that shit? You know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you're just taking the guns out of the good guy's hands. I ain't trying to get in a gun argument. Whoa, you saw a bunch of signs on the side of the road of the Greyhound today, didn't you? No. They were, cause there were a bunch of, like, guns. Oh, dude. Guns, 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 this guns, This is an guns. interesting time and an interesting place right now. I it mean, like, ca- California, uh, everybody wants pussies where they live. Straight up, man. Like, <laughs> Jesus <laughs> Christ. Really? Is it that bad? Dude, oh, like, man. we live in Pussy Central. We live in fucking entitled pussy city. I, I see some of my friends online, man, and they just look like they turn into limp noodles, man. Like California, <laughs> California will do that to you, but like what we fight back. Lucia's from fucking Chicago. Oh, there you go. Yeah, so you know. She was all about it, about it with the Cubs, you know. Whatever. <laughs> we can't. We can't be perfect in every fashion. But you know, what was my point? I'm wow. really high. <laughs> People from California. Oh, they're all a bunch of pussies. Oh, the, the, we live in Pussy the, City. The, the best description someone ever said in there. California is just a bunch of. It's like just like a granola bar, just a bunch of fruits, nuts, and flakes. <laughs> That's, true. That's funny, man. California. What a strange place to live in. I mean, you know, in some ways, I'd rather be surrounded by that kind of extremism than other kinds oh, of me extremism. Too. Me too. You know. Because you can, like, literally smoke weed fucking anywhere. We smoke it walking down the street, yeah. in front of cops, yeah. you know, like, it don't matter. No one yeah. gives a fuck. You can just go, the, there's a store, there's weed stores everywhere. I mean, we pretty much smoke <laughs> yeah. it anywhere anyway. Like, we got off the bus and walked maybe 50 feet from the Greyhound on the way down here. And What's the uh, popularity rate amongst the public out there? I mean, I'd say almost Marijuana? everyone smokes weed. Like, I almost mean, every adult. I don't... I don't just I, everyone just walking 90, around in pajamas? <laughs> what? No, everyone much. goes to work. I mean, every... Yeah, yeah not really. That is not true Okay, so I'm not going to say who, where I work, but... Wait, because we're on a podcast, no, right? No, no. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just <laughs> kidding. I'm just imagining it as paradise. <laughs> no, it is. it is. It's cool to live there. Um, you know, I wish the weather was a little bit warmer. The ocean's always cold. Fuck surfing, you know. Surfing sucks. I tried to do it. Well, you know, like, it was all right. I got up a few times, but uh, then I got, like, started getting sucked in. It's, like it's like a ton of work for, like, no payoff. Yeah. I love going out to the cold ocean, though, man. That kind of northern, more rocky ocean. Ugh, uh, sharks, though, man. Sharks, dude. Well, don't surf out there. Just Fucking sharks, sharks, bro. Just go for a Dude, walk. Dude, there's right video, by where we live. There's, there's videos, videos of like, oh. like, like I'm here, and the shark is down basket. Well, right aren't there. you where the warmer and colder waters start to kind of? The sharks no, are up by us all cold. the time. We got the. Oh, okay. they I go, mean, we're they, up by the we're up by the San Francisco Bay area. Okay, and that's where they you, go yeah. to. That's where they go to. You know, 
to bang all the great white sharks. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's fun times. <laughs> yeah, so they're all yeah, fucking well, up. Well, obviously. So they're all, yes, they're all raging up there, man. <laughs> they, you know, they found sharks as far north as St. Louis in the river. I do know that, but I still wouldn't worry about it. You can't swim in that damn river anyway. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's toxic it's stupid as to do that. <laughs> and it's wild <laughs> to the gills. But, you know, any fresh water that's attached to that river could, the shark could swim into that. And, <laughs> and, and I hear the that. alligators are coming farther north, the too. The alligators is oh, what is they right? have down south, man. I got attacked by one before. How far south were you? Can you uh, talk about it? Yeah. Was well, it a peg leg? It was, uh, it was a missed attempt. So, what the fuck? I was down on the Florida Georgia line and I got a privilege. At a concert? No. And I, that sounds like a band. It is. That was the phone. The national locale, they stole it. <laughs> so, uh. Florida Georgia line. Exit one. <laughs> There lived this gator, and I didn't know it. So I gotta, <laughs> are you telling a fucking folktale? The way you said that. <laughs> there lived this gator, <laughs> and I didn't His know name it. was Leroy. I didn't know it. Ooh. So I got up early. How? Went out jogging. I was running to the gym. I thought it was a log that had fell in the path. So I, I did like a little hop over it, and it opened its mouth and clipped at me. Oh my god! But I just kept like. Just kept in stride, get and I guess. Fuck oh out of my god! That was enough for it to get discouraged. They can run fast crazy. if they want to, though. Oh yeah. <laughs> How big was it? Uh, probably from this trash can to like maybe a suitcase. Oh my god, that's fucking huge! Yeah, he dude. lived in the swamp by the cafeteria, and it says don't feed him. And guess. Everybody fed that motherfucker. I'll bet. Because as soon as you saw a sign, you're like, I'm going to go find this gator. <laughs> yeah. Some shit. Like, uh, it says, don't be the gator. There's a gator here. Yeah. Yeah. I'm new to the Navy. I got no fucking authority. This is the only rule I can break. <laughs> Just fucking feeding that Dude, motherfucker. Dude, what the fuck? Oh, my oh, God. Yeah. It probably got all huge. It was crazy. Awesome. That's nuts. That is nuts. So yeah, none of that in Missouri, though. No. No. Oh, no. they're coming. You maybe got a squirrel. No, you got sharks like a motherfucker out where we live, dude. It's ridiculous. You know, see those videos, and I'm like, dude, fuck this. You like, guys have mountain lions where you're from? Um, yes. They, there's, yes. Yeah, there's, yeah. That's what I was worried the hell out of me. It's mountain lions. I mean, it's not really by where we live. We live like a block from the beach. See, where we live, they'd knock over trash cans in our neighborhood. Oh, they're, yeah, they're, they're not, like, the, doing that, but they're, they're definitely that, out there. Uh, they were starting to get that on because you couldn't hunt them uh, on federal land. Up in, like, uh, like, like Lake Tahoe, like, they have to, you can't go out at night to the dumpsters because the bears That's go through insane. Them. Yeah, it's crazy. Wow. It's fucking bears, well. man. Makes life exciting, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess if you just follow the rules, you'll be okay. Well, in Alaska, people like come home and there's like polar bears like in their house. Jeez Louise. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what you would say if you came home and saw polar bear in your house? Jeez so. Louise. <laughs> I, uh, I might divert to oh my gosh instead. <laughs> It'd be one of those degrees. <laughs> you know what's everywhere though? That's the worst is fucking raccoons. Hippies. The monster. <laughs> the monster I think I right be beneath one. your house. Yeah, raccoons are fun. My kids love finding them. 
Because they sit up and they look just like a plush toy that you'd buy in the store. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the kids are like, it's so cute. They have no idea. Yeah. They're vicious, <laughs> man. Tear your oh, face up. But it's always a fun time for them, so I don't mind raccoons. I can, can never be, I can never be that mad at them because when they fuck shit up, it looks like a little <laughs> drunk toddler yeah. fucked everything He's up because like, they what? like open shit and there's handprints yeah. on everything. What do you want from me? They like tore. I came home from this camping trip with my friend, and we parked the camper in the driveway, and like these raccoons got in through the top. We just left it for a couple days, you know, because we were tired. We just left everything in the camper. Yeah. They got in through the top, and they like just fucking. They were partying in that thing the whole time, and they ripped um, open the macaroni and cheese. They had the cheesy. There was cheesy raccoon prints all over the camper. But the funniest part, the funniest part was that there was there was on top of the camper. It was full of raccoon shit, right? But there was no raccoon shit inside the camper. <laughs> so I was like, they were coming in here and like hanging out and like pooping on top and then coming back oh in. Like they were goodness. like, oh, the bathroom's up there. Like, don't shit in here. Like, what are you, an animal, Fred? Like, fucking get out of here, great. you know? <laughs> so the California years have been good to you. California's been great. You know, I've, I've seen the most success. Uh, in my entertaining career, um, the Cottonmouth County tour has paid the bills this year. I was just about to ask, what's the road life like? Do you enjoy it? What What's fun about it? I was made it? for it. What do you I was learn made from for the road. You know, like going and meeting different people. Like, here's the thing. You know, like if you want to call yourself anything, what I feel you have to always do is look at who does it the best whatever you're trying to do and either try to mimic some of the things that they do or have done or the way that they got there you know or find a way that you you know that you respect or want to do you you don't want to pursue yourself Mm -hmm. and and get to the level that you want to to achieve and and, you know have a plan to get there you know so like with with entertaining this year is you know like we got we've gotten to a level that you know we can make money doing it, you know, and not have to pay to go out on the road, you know, where, you know, it, we've been very fortunate enough to find marijuana dispensaries and head shops across America to book our stuff, you know. Um, so, yeah, the California years have been great. I, well, it's nice to have you on the road, in a sense, from my selfish perspective, because you can come here multiple times in a year. Yeah. I'm gonna try to cut down on that a lot. Like I would assume you would. You probably. Uh, you know, like what I'm figuring out is that to make the most out of it. Out here. <laughs> no, I mean like it, <laughs> you, we're gonna see we tomorrow night. We're gonna see tomorrow night that you know, like, like fucking. What people need to do is just like this is why we shut the fuck up about who we vote for, yeah. right? Because. After the no, vote is over, you know, like, after the yeah. vote is, like, okay, after the vote is over, you know, like, you gotta just accept the results and move on. You know, that's what I think totally. You know, like, I don't vote, I never vote, I think voting's stupid, you know, however, here's, here's what I feel. Right now, we have the first president that is a WWE Hall of Famer. I was about to ask for the jokes, man, because the jokes, you know, I got one, uh... <laughs> that I had to tell my mom because the day after um, the day after the election my grandma died so the joke is 
Sorry to hear that. No, no, no. It's a good joke. It's a game. It was worth it. Or it was a good, it was a good dark humor joke to my mom during her time of Irish suffering. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Your mom, has a, your mom has a sense of humor. Yeah. So it's just that uh, she lived through the depression, World War II, Korean War, Iran Contra. You know, stock markets going up and down. Trump. Too much. <laughs> She's out of here. Too much. You've done. That was enough for my mom. Well, I really think that Madonna fucked it up. I don't know, it was kind of weird, because I equated, like, I feel like WWE has been helping to predict the president. I love it. <laughs> well, you heard the bit on my, my thing? No, but I can see where you're kind of connected so, to that. Okay, so let's play it, let's, let's, let's wind this back. 1991. Who is the guy that the WWE is pushing? Who's one of the guys that they're pushing? They're pushing... A womanizing, good-looking guy, Shawn Michaels, right? Okay? Now, this is kind of a stretch. This one is. Yeah, that's okay. And then, 92, they put in Bill Clinton. Okay? Smooth-talking womanizer, right? Okay. Then you got fast-forward to 2000. Who are they pushing in WWE? They're pushing the take-no-shit Texas redneck badass, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. And then who's our president? George W. Bush. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Same fucking type of person. Okay? <laughs> You're right. Then, the next one... Tip of the is, spear. <laughs> the next one is the creepiest one, because who was the president after George W. Bush? A smooth-talking, half-black guy <laughs> named Bo Rock. Who was the guy WWE's pushing? The oh, Rock. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> okay? I love it. Now, you're starting to see some similarities, some weird coincidences going on, until you really look at the big play the whole time. Is this alright to put out? No, no, I put this out on my album. This is the okay, whole, okay. this is a fast-forwarded version of the bit. Okay. But, who, who was playing the whole thing all along in WWE? Vince McMahon. That's why Trump's the president. <laughs> yeah. I said it in June yeah. on my album. Oh, it came fucking true. <laughs> Who's going to be in the cabinet? Linda McMahon. It's already been reported. That is a great... Who, was, who contributed $7 million oh, to the Trump campaign? The fucking McMahons. The whole thing has been a wrestling angle. If you didn't think the heel just went over in WrestleMania, you aren't seeing shit the right way. Okay? What they did with Hillary is they Roman reigns us. And as a wrestling <laughs> fan, you get it. Because what WWE did is they pushed Roman Reigns down everybody's throat. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody gave a shit about him, just like they did with Hillary. They're like, uh-huh. take this shit. You got to fucking... Uh-huh. <laughs> and then we were like, right I, don't, turnbuckle. I don't want that shit. We put the heel over. Do Bernie Sanders was like the Daniel Bryan, and they were like, oh. yeah, and they were like, mm, we ain't about WrestleMania. We ain't about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We ain't feeling that burn, yo. <laughs> we ain't feeling that burn. So the, uh, the whole presidential thing's been a wrestling angle the whole time. I think, and that's I, what they uh, did to push the whole thing. And they, I think I read Texas Sam when he won. I was like, entertainment just won the election. Straight <laughs> up, comedy just won. It's a win for comedy, bro. Yeah, hell yeah. All these little whiny putties too out there fucking protesting now. I, you know, support support either one, you know, any of that shit. But isn't it supposed to be a comedian's uh, job to kind of stick it to whoever? They fucking both suck. That's what I'm saying. They both suck. I mean, like for real. Like that hasn't been two suckier candidates. 
Yeah. There hasn't been two. There were two less suckier candidates on South Park. Was the turd the turd sandwich and the giant douche in 2004? Those two were way more likable than the pieces of shit that we had. In oh, I got gotcha, you for sure. Last time. Well, now that I really think that Trump would see. Here's the thing. I seriously, honestly believe that Trump was put into this thing to put Hillary over. I really do. And he was just saying all this random, crazy, fucking weird ass shit because he was trying to heal it up. They're boys. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like the Clintons and the Trumps, man. You know, like they're tight. Yeah. He went in there to heal it up, right? Like I think that that was the whole fucking gimmick all along. And then people were like, well, we don't championship. He he fucking yeah. He, <laughs> but he. He was trying to kick out, you know? Yeah. Vince McMahon didn't come down and was like, ring the bell, and Trump was like, I'm not supposed to win, I don't know. <laughs> that wasn't what we talked about, I don't know. And Trump's like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do. So I came in here to lose, guys, remember? Are you telling me Vince McMahon's running the country right now? Dude, Dude his what? wife's going to be in the cabinet. There was a news uh, story. They, you know, he they booked legit, the whole thing. You, you know don't think he booked the whole thing? They legit donated like $6 million to the million Trump dollars. campaign. Really? Yeah. Yes. Wow. They were like the biggest single donors. <laughs> to the Trumps? They, they finally hit. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, they were like XFL, uh, <laughs> fucking International Body Federation or whatever. Uh, eh. you know, like, they were like Senate, eh. <laughs> Senate again, eh. yeah. President, ding, 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 ding. Yeah. Oh. country, the entire fucking country, the entire. Yeah. He won the country, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. I, he booked the whole thing, but see, he booked it to lose. But really, Vince was behind. It. He was like, it was me the whole time, the USA. It was me. <laughs> Straight up, he booked the Vince booked the whole thing, dude. I I shook his hand backstage at Raw. Yeah. That's how Wait, what did we get? Uh, Vince McMahon won the country, so it was Vince McMahon versus Hillary. It was him the whole time, and he T-boned her. Well, it's like no, they gave she, us they gave us two super. It's like giving us two super unlikable people yeah. for the belt. Like, no, we don't want. We're not invested in either one. So half the people don't show up to the match. Yeah, guess, like half the people didn't show up to vote. I guess. So, yeah. I guess if you put a train wreck of a match on a highest level, it, it's uh, it's pretty surreal. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's exactly what it was. Like, who's booking this shit? Oh, the fucking McMahon. Dude, and like, who cut all the better promos? Like, Trump. Like, Hillary didn't have any viral burns. Like, Trump had man burns. When I heard his drink dunk slogan, I was like, that's pretty fucking good. Yeah, What is that about? What is that about? Vince, he was probably using well, the same writers as Raw. Yeah. Because, uh, you know. DC is built on a swamp, and he's running as an outsider. So he's saying, just drain all this old shit out of the swamp, and I'll come in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude, like, he was the Republican Bernie. Yeah. Without a doubt. Oh, he's undoubtedly hilarious, man. Hilarious. You just put a compilation reel of that dude together. Oh man, he, oh. Cut, he cut oh, the best yeah. promo. Yeah, he cut, amazing promo. He was the best promo cutter ever. And like, like probably his, edit a stand up act. And his ballet, of, his ballet was super hot, like Hillary's ballet. Oh, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, like, she couldn't even use her ballet. Yeah, because he was such a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> That's oh funny, god man. damn You could totally explain His whole action In wrestling It's hilarious <laughs> So what's the move If you had to give A wrestling move To the last thing Trump did to seal it 
Because everyone uh, thought Hillary uh, had it. They all winning the presidential election. He was getting beat down, <laughs> no, beat saying, down, if beat you down. Had to make that an existing wrestling move. Like put this into. A, oh, it'd be the pussy grabber by the pussy. <laughs> he grabbed. Oh, okay. And then it'd be what? the pussy grab. <laughs> it'd be the pussy grab slam. <laughs> it was like fix her up. Grab slam pussy it. slam. <laughs> grab. It'd be the grab slam. <laughs> The clam slam. The clam slam. And I don't know about you, but <laughs> that'd be a hell of a time to the clam slam. Book that match against a male and a female here. We already did. Oh, we, we, did we did a Trump versus Hillary we match. Did. We did. Was it in California or yeah. California? Yeah. Oh, okay, it'd be different. If we, we did. did. We did. Yeah, it would be different here. <laughs> yeah. But we did it out there. <laughs> we. <laughs> the, yeah, it was. It was good. <laughs> the guy kind of forgot to grab. Hillary by the pussy, so it lost some effect for oh, the match. Man. No, but we had Bernie come out and save the day. Yeah, it was awesome. He pinned, he pinned both of them. Yeah. yeah. And then Bernie actually won the match in the county. Well, he no, he won the election. I'm really high right now. He won the election in the county where we did the match, for real. Oh, that's like, awesome. uh, that many wrote people him wrote him in that he in won. Legit. Wow. You yeah. just promoted that dude. Right? Yeah. yeah, and we put him over. We yeah. put him over here, so we fucking... You guys yeah. go on the road as a combo act. Yeah. Dude, that Stumping for president, and your act. Dude, we, should, we, we have talked about putting a little wrestling bit into our... Did they say The Rock's going to run for president in uh, 2020? Yeah, just Which would make sense if, they put, if he runs as a Republican with WWE behind him, right? It. Like, he'll be... Put the baby face over now. The whole plan was to put the rock over. Right? Put the actual rock dude, over. All the, and dude, we're so down. So like, my joke at, goes on forever. Look at, look at all this heat, right? And then when the rock wins, like, all of America, it'll be, like, the happiest. It'll be the no, happiest no, no. day in America. And all the brown people are like, yes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we have our leader now. Right. The Samoan <laughs> fucking half Samoan, half black, former WWE champ. He, this is idiocracy for real. Like, everybody can attach on to him. They can just latch on. President Camacho. President Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Dude, what? Yeah. President The Rock looks like. President Rock. Dude, like, they, they were totally going to try to do that with Arnold, but Arnold ain't from here. All those people love that dude. Oh, dude! Around he, the world, he is over. He's with like Jackie everybody. Chan. He's a. See, th- Vince is trying to take over the world, so he's gonna make The Rock the president. Because that's how going to be our end to the yeah. international. So Vince was like, Vince was like, Rock listen, Rock. listen, Dwayne, <laughs> listen, Dwayne. He's We're gonna push star. you for the movies. I got Trump going in, <laughs> and then we're gonna Terminator put Terminator Six, Rock Trump. <laughs> Trump's and gonna start a couple take more. Take over for the Wi-Fi after he's out of office. Shit. We won't even have to build sets, dude. Just film it, dude. That'd be so dope. Yeah, it is kind of crazy. I probably gotta get going here pretty soon, anyway. Oh, word. Yeah, it's all great. The man's got me getting up in the morning, you know what I mean? <laughs> you gotta feed those damn kids. <laughs> yeah, they get pissed off when they don't eat, huh? Yeah. Stupid, they need just food every day. Uh, well, dude, I'm glad we got to do this. You're coming to the show tomorrow, right? Oh, hell yeah. yeah hell, oh, yeah. Fucking, uh, you're like one of only a few people that actually bought pre-sales. Oh, yeah, Good thing, because it's going to be jam-packed at the door. 
No, it, uh, I, it, it's, it's a small little room there at Foo Bar, you know. I'm uh, glad we booked that side of it. It's a smaller side of it, and, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure we'll have a nice little house tomorrow. Yeah. So you are charging for the show, right? Uh, yeah, 10 bucks. So should I just tell them the same uh, will call stuff? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, you know, I want to buy stuff from you guys, though. You have the album. What else do you have? Uh, T-shirts. Yeah, there you go. 8x10s, you want to autograph 8x10? No, actually, actually, that is what I want. I want that, and I'll frame it, and I'll hang it in my house. And my kids will ask about you. No, I'll, I'll give you the one from Raw. I got an 8x10 from the Raw. Picture. Oh, oh there's great. a psychedelic yeah. one with tie-dye behind him, too. That was oh, pretty popular. perfect. I'd, yeah. I'd rather have that one. But, uh, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Fucking, uh, yeah, and then, you know, uh, check out my website, comedysuplex.com. Anywhere else on the internet to Yeah, you that's, that's a central location for, you know, I got uh, my album for free download there, you know, but I used to sell them for, like, ten bucks at the shows or whatever. Um, you know, it's yeah, you can download it for free on comedysuplex.com. I got my podcast there. And all my links for Twitter and all that shit, that, that, all that stuff's on there. Uh, any upcoming Cottonmouth comedy shows or pro wrestling shows are all updated on there too. So, uh, yeah. Sounds good, man. That's that. It was a good conversation. Oh, yeah, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. What, what was it called? Getting stoned as fuck? <laughs> Basically. It's called the, the high files. And it's kind of like just talks about a lot of hippie shit. And oh, yeah. Just for the fuck of it. Tight, tight. And, uh, diverged in a yellow wood and sorry I could not travel both and be one traveler long I stood and looked down one as far as I could to where it bent in the undergrowth then took the other as just as fair and having perhaps the better claim because it was grassy and wanted wear though as for that the passing there had worn them really about the same and both that morning equally lay in leaves no step had trodden black. Oh, I kept the first for another day, yet knowing how way leads on to way, I doubted if I should ever come back. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. When I put together one of these episodes, I usually start with an idea, but by the end of the episode, the theme might be the same, but the way I look at life and the ideas that I have has changed slightly, or in sometimes it's changed quite dramatically. 
That's kind of the point, right? The lessons you learn come from the journey. The idea I had coming into this episode was to take a look at how society kind of kills the dreams. It's not really society's fault, it's choices that we make. It's the choices we make at those pivot points, the games we select to play that put us on the trajectory of either being, you know, an average schnook or somebody that's living the life that they want to live. And so that poem, The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost, is one that's made a huge impression on me in life. It's always had me feel that there's this alternative way of living that is more true to yourself than what the red, white, and blueprint has to offer. But in the course of constructing this episode, I reread that poem several times. And one of the times I reread it, I was high as fuck, and I realized that I had been injecting a lot of my preconceived notions into that poem and deriving a meaning from it that wasn't necessarily there without my preconceptions. You see those last lines. Two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I, took the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. That's exactly the way I always heard those words in my head. I put a positive emphasis on choosing the road less traveled by. But it was my emphasis. And more than that, those last couple lines are what always stuck in my head. It had been a long time since I read the full poem, but preparing for this episode, I sat down and read it and realized I was so full of shit. I had always put this premium on the author being Frost and Frost being a creative type, and him at the end of the poem saying, I, I took the road less traveled by. Like he was some kind of a, a hero, you know, like he had figured it out. Zigging when everybody else zags. Yeah, that's the way, that's the ticket. But when I reread the poem, I noticed Frost was getting at something completely different. He was saying, you have one life or the other life. One's not better than the other, one's just different than the other. But it's that point at which you choose. That's what makes all the difference. Because obviously we can't go back in time. So of course this makes sense. For some reason I had always read that with a different meaning. And so I've learned something 
But it's not like I was going out of my head, regretting my life like I said earlier. I feel a certain sense of dissatisfaction. But remember at the beginning of the episode, I asked you if you feel a sense of dissatisfaction, to ask yourself why. And so here at the end, I ask myself why. Is it because I'm not living this fantasy life I have in my head? Because I, I did not take the one less traveled by? Or is it just that I haven't really accepted that this is now my road? So I can accept that. But I did this episode for another reason. I didn't ask why when I selected my original game to play. I didn't take the time to examine myself and my motivations. So where my fundamental sense of dissatisfaction lies is that I wasn't fully armed with the information when I needed it. I didn't take pause. I didn't take stock. I didn't try to ask myself why I was doing what I was doing. It's like Socrates said, the unexamined life is not worth living. And at that time, the life I chose was unexamined. But through this episode, I've examined it now, and I've learned lessons without having regrets. But the other reason I did this episode was for my children, because someday they'll have to select a game to play. And as long as I'm alive, I'm going to be there to make them ask why, and to examine themselves so that when they move forward, they can do so with confidence and have a life worth living. My father could have been a great comedian, but he didn't believe that that was possible for him. And so he made a conservative choice. Instead, he got a safe job as an accountant. And when I was 12 years old, he was let go from that safe job. And our family had to do whatever we could to survive. I learned many great lessons from my father not the least of which was that you can fail at what you don't want. So you might as well take a chance on doing what you love. So whether they're free from the machine or whether they are a square peg in a square hole, as long as they know that they made a choice with all the information, then they can select the proper game to play. And so can you, high filers. And you can share this with people who, like Pac-Man, see the flashing ready prompt and have to choose a road to travel down. It's not time to make a change. Just relax, take it easy You're still young, that's your fault There's so much you have to know Find a girl, settle down If you want, you can marry Look at me, I am old, but I'm happy I was once like you are now and I know that it's not easy to be calm When you found something going on But take your time, think a lot 
I think of everything you've got For you will still be here tomorrow But your dreams may not